2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
0: Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Lift off. We have a liftoff.
2: permission to board please permission to come aboard
0: permission to board permission to board do i have some permission to board that sweet mother ship this is the permission granted podcast
1: here's da welcome inside the permission granted podcast everybody the show about the show the show within the show we peel back the curtain on the da show every single week here's part of the pgp so thanks for downloading this You can download it on the normal DA Show podcast feed, or you can download it as well on its own PGP feed, the permission-granted podcast feed. Please rate and review it if you have the time, because if you do, that will help others find it easier in their searches. Moraz joins me now, as always, for Side A, and now we're up to four, number four, the 12 DAs of Christmas, which we will break down in its entirety coming up here. But first, a budding rivalry. It might not be Michigan, Ohio State in twenty twenty, but we do have Shep versus Pete the Body. And we've now discussed this in length at length over the course of this week. But the Cliff's notes version is, for those that haven't heard, Pete worked with us on Monday, had plans to work with us the entire week. Something came up in his family. He could not then work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He had to check out, which meant on short notice on Monday night, our schedule makers, not Pete, had to find his replacements. And because of holiday s- short staffing and scheduling already, that left us only Shep Tuesday and Wednesday. Everybody knew that this could be an issue because Shep does not have experience running our board. He has experience producing the show, which means putting up guests and pulling up calls and putting things you know together audio wise, but not actually running the show from a technical standpoint. So that left us with Shep on Tuesday to Wednesday. Going into Tuesday morning show, it appeared that Pete the Body assumed Shep would be more in line with knowing what to do, and so he did not coach him up all that much. Shep was left kind of flying blind, didn't know what to do, and then Tuesday's show was an absolute epic, colossal disaster. That left us on Wednesday, Shep, trying to make up for it, but through no fault of his own, my internet absolutely crapped out because I had the wrong box installed over the weekend by the technician, which meant that for more than an hour, I was lost into the ether yesterday, leaving everybody to be picking up my pieces. So this led to then Shep probably feeling overly criticized, Pete feeling like he shouldn't have to babysit Shep, and now both of them are pretty publicly disliking of one another so much so that Shep is tweeting about it. Marez, do you think that they've that they've always felt this animosity towards one another, or do you think it was exacerbated the last two days?
2: Well, they definitely. I know that they felt this animosity because I've worked both, with both sides of, them. of it. Both sides. I've heard both be really critical of each other when talking to me. And frankly, I don't see any reason to hide that now because it's way out there between the both of them yelling at each other that they don't like each other now. So it's no secret. Yeah, I i mean, forever. I mean, not like I wouldn't say this dates back to the beginning of the network, but I would say over the last couple of years, there's something about Shep and and Pete where I just think those two were not meant for each other. They just weren't like what we could excuse Pete for, what we could excuse Shep for kind of like accept you know, their kind of mentalities and psyches, whatever, they won't they won't look at each other that way and accept the way we accept both of them. And they're just a bad mix that do not like each other for a zillion reasons, and it's just... This exploded this week, like, really exploded as the show, from a technical standpoint, just went down the toilet.
1: I have to say that in all the, the years of the DA show, now eight years here at CBS Sports Radio, I don't think we've ever had a rivalry that this is right now or may become the closest I can think is that Pete really didn't like he who shall not be named.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think that was the closest other than that. I can't think of another inter show squabble where the dislike was this rich
2: Yeah. And the difference is if there has ever been dislike that Rich, it comes from one side where the other side just kills him with kindness. And what I mean by that, he uh, should not be named. Never went back at Pete the way Shep goes back yeah. at Pete. He instead killed him with his personality and his kindness. And there were moments early in the DHL, show, don't get me wrong, where Kenny Brock absolutely hated me, but in that I liked Kenny. So I would joke around with him as he was hating me, and it would either make him laugh or get him more angry. But to have actually two sides of Pete people hate each other not hide that they hate each other have stuff go wrong that they blame on each other and basically have us be the jury no this has never happened before the da show it's absolutely livid between these two guys
1: which means after this i don't think they can ever work together again i don't think you'll ever see pete run the board while shep is our producer because they simply they simply can't be in the same spot now together
2: Okay, so you're right, but you're also discounting an important part of this, D.A., and that is that because of the pandemic, there's been an enormous shuffling of guys behind the scenes. Maybe some guys have left to to go get full-time jobs. Some guys haven't. And because Shep is so dedicated and will basically not go to sleep for 40 hours to say yes to making money on shifts, ultimately Pete, no longer in charge of schedules, is going to lose a battle where in a pinch— if we need somebody, Shep is that emergency reliever where basically you're like, "Oh no, we need to score 15 runs tonight because we're gonna, <laughs> otherwise we're gonna lose 14 nothing." I think that saying that they won't work together is easier said than done, and I, I have learned, especially this year, never say never.
1: It has been something else to witness, and this has also coincided with. One of the biggest blizzards in years here in New York. Now, it looks like you guys, you and Bogus and Bilotti all live on Long Island. You'll skirt the worst of it. But where I am, northwest of the city and parts north of the city, like Westchester County, et cetera, and parts of New Jersey, we've got over a foot, might be 14, 16 inches, and other places could be a foot and a half. This is more snow in one blizzard in December Uh than we had all of last year. All of last year. So that has added an even next level of, of threat to this week of how are we going to get on the air? If there's power lines that go down, if oh, internets yeah. go down, how are people getting into the studio? Connor actually stayed overnight in a hotel right. that the company put him up in in Manhattan. Now.
2: Right. By the way, which shows how important the, the, the bosses knew Connor was you to getting it. the D.A. show off the ground because they could have had Shep hitchhike with a bunch of fleas and bedbugs <laughs> into the studio and he would have made it no problem. But they said, no, 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 no. we better pay for car- Connor's room in a Marriott to make sure he's there to run the show.
1: Which, by the way, Pete might have gotten the same treatment. And I got to think that Pete would have really enjoyed a free hotel room in downtown Manhattan just to kick up his feet and and walk three steps to the studio.
2: You would think Pete would enjoy that, but Pete would then make a million excuses about why the company was wrong and basically he needed to be home to shovel, even though, remember, Pete doesn't own a house yet, so he doesn't have to shovel. Like, Pete would find every excuse under the sun of why somehow getting a hotel when with, with the company actually taking care of you would be a bad thing, because Pete's never satisfied.
1: It led to one of the most chaotic and combustible 48 hours ever in DA show history, and I don't know if we'll ever get it there again, because I can't foresee a situation where Shep is behind the board for us anymore, and I don't foresee a situation for much longer where we're all scattered and nobody's in studio. Yeah. So this was this was the perfect storm.
2: Yeah, and I, I do have to say, DA, in the midst of everything we've discussed today, uh, or as we taped this on Thursday's show, off of everything that people are aware about, because the, the wild stories of the DA show have spread throughout staff, on of other shows. Oh, really? Both current and former employees, I've been fielding a lot oh, of a wow. lot of commentary on both Pete and Shep, and if I can, for just a second, I will tell you that Please. the the public money is on Pete here, as far as at least having Pete's back, even though there are several oh, people wow. who do find Pete to be a bit much. Uh, it seems there seems to be an anti Shep sentiment building after these last couple days that oh. maybe Shep has lost some support in the room again, <laughs> of both former and current employees. And I I was told I could read this text to you. Uh, and I will, and this is it on Shep. You can call me an anonymous source if you go back to it. I'd rather not have my name out there on this, and this is after mm-hmm. listening to Thursday show where we talked about this. Mm-hmm. You can call me an anonymous source if you go back to this, and I'd rather not have my name out there, so I will not reveal this person's name. But the thing Shep that does that is really annoying is he he makes you feel guilty after his poor work, and like all these things oh. on top of him. But if he just took a step back and just concentrated, those issues that you have wouldn't even happen. So this is somebody, and this dates back to what we were talking about, where Shep, you know, gives you the spiel about five jobs, the walking the dogs, the coaching basketball, the not sleeping because he wants to be respectful, not oversleep. And the point being here is those stories Shep gives where we don't know what to believe or not to believe, everybody who's worked every shift with Shep where he screwed up has heard those stories, and people are tired of it because they feel like then you feel bad for criticizing him.
1: Oh, I, I wish I knew who wrote this text because that's extremely insightful. It is so true, and it goes back to Tuesday's show. It's a trash Tuesday. Shep is out of sorts. He is not ready for this position. He's not ready to run the board. He's not ready to do what he was supposed to do. Everything is wrong about Tuesday's show. We don't have drops. Where things are not firing. No- nothing sounds right. Shep is asking a million questions, doesn't know what, what's going on. You are about to lambaste him in uh, Trash Tuesday. Your trash is going to be how bad Shep is at yep. this thing. Yes. Shep goes first. Mm-hmm. And Shep's trash is working five jobs. I haven't slept in 40 hours. I'm just trashing life. And sounds like the most beaten man alive. And you go, how am I going to follow that? And you then have to take your kid gloves and not go so hard onto Shep. And we had it in real time unfold. Your guilt, feeling bad, sympathy for Shep prevented you from really criticizing him. And this is a really insightful text because it is very, very true. And, And it stems from his desperate want to do well. He does not want to fail. He wants to do well, but can be his own worst enemy because how can you possibly run our show on little to no sleep? If he really didn't sleep in 40 hours, bad job by him because... He's not managing his life well. That's just an adult thing that you don't do. You don't run your life and manage your life to where you don't sleep for 40 hours. If he is lying about that and he's actually sleeping two or three hours or whatever, it also suggests that he's overworked, overtaxed, exhausted, and can't do the show very well because how could you operate on of little course. to no sleep? And when you hear that, you go, well... In his mind, that's he's working so hard for you. But the flip side is don't put yourself in that situation, which ultimately puts everybody in that situation.
2: It's a tough chicken and the egg, and I don't want to comment on anybody else's money or anything because I understand it's a tough world, especially this year more than any, where you're just trying to make ends meet. And Shep was a teacher in Memphis. I give him credit. He picked up and left New York and went to Memphis. And unfortunately for him, you know, school budget crises and stuff like that cost him, and he had to come back and kind of pick up the pieces back near his family and friends here in New York. And I will say this it really must stink working five jobs and trying to do all you can to do that but what happens is because he's doing five jobs he's not prioritizing any of the five getting overtired saying yes to anything he can and therefore hurting himself and he's becoming worse at all five jobs so that when the time comes to get a full-time job nobody is so that he can stop working five and just work one no management person is gonna look at Shep and go, that we need to hire him for this because he's he's lacking and doesn't prove his worthiness for it. So he's sucked into this vortex of he's trying to do too many things at once instead of putting his focus and concentrating. And then because of that, he's it just seems like he's gonna be in this endless cycle with no way out. It's it's a brutal spot he's put himself in.
1: And this week it reared its ugly head. Because it did. what's gonna happen? And and to be fair, he was much better on Wednesday. He much, was. Much, much, despite the disaster that was my internet crapping out, he was much better on Wednesday. But what's going to end up happening is the stain of Tuesday is going to stick with everybody, and people are going to be well, resistant to plugging him into, into big spots ever
2: again. See, Tuesday was such a disaster that he needed – he didn't just need like, okay, a couple of mistakes will be okay. He needed a perfect game on Wednesday, and he did all he could. And your internet going down – which then caused us to try to come up with different things and him scrambling is not his fault, but because of what happened Tuesday, it compounds itself into a 48 hour disaster of two shows that unfortunately, you know, he'll always be remembered for, right? Like, The 1986 World Series, nobody remembers Game 7. You just remember Buckner, uh, you know, screwing the whole thing up. But the Red Sox could have picked him up in Game 7, and everybody would have forgotten about it. We couldn't pick up Shep on Wednesday, and therefore we're always going to remember Tuesday and feel like we had maybe two of the worst technical days on the show's history, and it basically all will be remembered because of him
1: and to be fair-handed here i mean there was no music underneath my live read well, so it wasn't it's a true. it wasn't Wednesday. just even, right wasn't, exactly, wasn't just... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but it's exactly right the stain of tuesday will live forever and it'll be impossible not to think about that next time Chef is positioned somewhere plugged in somewhere and i and i will say that the the dislike, the distaste between Pete and Shep, ended up being it ended up being a real detriment because whether Pete didn't want to help Shep on a Tuesday and left him hanging out, he then went overboard trying to help him on Wednesday. Right. Either he realized a mistake or recognized Shep needed more help, and so to Pete's credit, he stepped up and said, "I will coach you through every single minute of the show live from home." Well, On Wednesday, and Shep didn't want that help because there was so much distaste between the two.
2: And you know what? That's a part of this that we didn't really get into on the show on Thursday. I do think needs a little bit, just a little bit here, DA, of a deeper dive is that, you know, Pete was capable to work from home, but is still using day off. But we felt after Tuesday's show, like we really needed Pete, if he was able to, to help Shep to make sure that the show was seamless. So we went to Pete, asked if he could begrudgingly, he did, but he still did for Wednesday's show. And I could tell you and all the listeners pre-show on Wednesday, I am dealing with Pete and Shep on a group text where Pete is basically trying to walk Shep through. So Pete is now being overly detailed, like we requested on Tuesday. But Pete is also doing it in a way where you could tell he's annoyed. You could tell he's angry. You could tell he's impatient. And that is now breathing through on Shep, who already is on edge because he wants to, because, you know, he cares so much, wants to do a good job for us on Wednesday's show. And now it's basically, you know, he he has already proven that he needs this help, but he has to feel embarrassed that Pete is holding his hand, and Pete is doing so in such like a I'm-looking-down-on-you way that it leads to a pre-show fight between Shep and Pete where he feels like, Pete doesn't understand how to talk to people, especially to Shep, and that he's holding his hand, which then leads to Pete yelling at him that he doesn't need to be up right now doing this, and he's doing this because he's incompetent. And those two were basically on the verge of a text oh. brawl before the show even started. So I had mentioned on, on Thursday's show them fighting through my ear and on the phone in show when things eventually did go wrong <laughs> and then the internet went down. But before we knew there was ever going to be an internet problem, I, I can't hold the about this, the show didn't even start. And I am sitting here, without any listeners being any aware of this, a half an hour before the show, at 5.30 in the morning, having these two basically fight with each other because Pete is going the extra mile but doing it in a nasty way, and Shep is, is not even accepting that and accepting that he, Shep put himself in a position to have to deal with this with Pete and is instead telling Pete why he's wrong. I mean, it was chaos before the show.
1: I don't know if it's because 2020 has been such a beatdown. I don't know if it's because pandemic has just worn us all down to a nub. I'm not sure if it's because I'm working from home and so everything feels a little bit less connected and more detached or maybe it's the bourbon bells rubbing off of me. But I have to imagine if this would have happened and I was in studio the last couple of days a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, I, I would have absolutely melted down either on air or off air and, you and, been, and, and been just savage on Shep. I just think I would have been absolutely savage on, on Shep.
2: It is so funny you say that because I actually – I've had a lot of conversations with my wife at the dinner table over the last two shows. And I said, you know, it's so funny because it has to be an element of working from home because I know under this same scenario four years ago – even if it was me and Shep and Shep was firmly to believe, I would have been annihilated by you on the show. Like annihilated that I wasn't doing my job as the producer and helping him <laughs> buy. And to know how much Shep basically is skated by, we felt guilty, and how much Pete feels like he's skated by in this too. It's I actually made the joke to him. I said, I can't win no matter what. Nobody will ever get it worse than me on the air when I screw up. But these guys basically try to drive the show into the ground. And DA's basically like, ah, what are you going to do? Snow's coming. Like, That's basically how it came off. It's unbelievable.
1: Well, number one, <laughs> um, I do think that I handle this stuff better today than I did four years ago. You so absolutely if it, do. If it absolutely. was, If it was you, I don't think I would handle raging at you the same way. I don't think I would do that oh.
2: anymore. There's no doubt, and I've often said this: the Bourbon Bell is the best thing that happened to me, not you. There's no
1: doubt. <laughs> but number two, you weren't part of the Sunday Morning Football Show where Shep stepped in and was producing me for a couple weeks last year, and I did have to melt down on him because it was, <laughs> it was this type of disaster, and I, I just I couldn't believe it was this type of disaster. I, I just couldn't believe it. And so last year, you know, when Shep references this in his little mini rant on Tuesday that the hour that I spent with Shep after a Sunday show when we talked about life, because it wasn't just radio. I mean, it was so bad that maybe I got it out of my system that day, maybe because I'm not seeing him face to face. I'm not in the same room with that energy. I, I could relax a little bit. But Tuesday, I there was a part of me that was like, what, what are you going to do? It's just a disaster. And you could only poke fun at it. Because what else are you going to do? And maybe that's the thing that, like, without me being there, I feel like I had no control over it. So you could only poke fun at it and, and laugh. Because, I mean, literally, you and I knew every segment would have a mistake. We knew this. Right yeah. from Jump Street, every segment, something
2: will be wrong. So it's almost like, how can you get mad at every segment? Well, no, you're right, and and we didn't even bring this part up. This part up, if, when you say that, <laughs> and, I mean, we could put all the cards on the table. Folks listening, Tuesday, Shep's first day before any problem existed, it was, again, about 5.30 in the morning. And we're the reason you're getting this PGP late, we usually do this PGP <laughs> on a Tuesday. And I said flat out to DA, bogish and Cap pre-show in our G-chat, guys— I really think we should wait for Connor to be in and put out a late PGP this week till Thursday. And I got a, well, why? And I said, I'm telling you right now what I'm dealing with with Shep. Something is going to go wrong. He's not going to hit record on the PGP. He's not going to know how to email it to me. And then stuff's going to get lost. Some, I don't know what it is. I don't, I can't pinpoint exactly what will go wrong, but there will be no PGP this week if we entrust Shep back at the studio with running it. It was the sense I got. It was the feeling I got. It was the questions I was getting on the show. I knew it would be a problem, and you yourself at first pushback, you said, really, how bad could Shep be? I said, okay, and, I, and that's when I gave up. I said, you know what? We'll give it a try. Sure, because I knew I was going to be right, and by the end, it was four hours later, I simply typed in the G-chat to the rest of the people the show, so we in agreement now that we're not going to do the PGP on Tuesday? Have we seen enough? And DA's response, oh, yeah, I think so. So I was, I mean, I was light years ahead of what was, what was to come on Tuesday. Well, Tuesday
1: starts off with a bang. My first read, so we come out of the the top of the show at 6 a.m., and right off the bat, Shep fades out the music, and so I'm introducing the show as I normally do with no music, and that never happens. So it all <laughs> automatically, it's 6.01, and it already sounds different. I then always toss to the, they're listening to 8 they're listening to every word we say, and Shep does not play that drop. And so, again, it sounds completely off. Okay, we go into the cold open. I do the cold open, and then coming out of the cold open, we're going to break. Going to break, I do a sleep number read. That sleep number read always has music under it. In this case, it did not have music under it. That might have been Wednesday, but either way, that didn't sound right as well. (laughs) I come back from the first break, so this is 6.20 or so a.m., and... The read is an old Ask the Pros read. Now, number one, I know that Ask the Pros does not air on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I know it's just a right. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I'm reading it on a Tuesday. And I'm like, I, I don't think so, but I'm not going to stop midway through the read. So I'm just doing the read. And then it's an old read because I know that we don't reference Wagner Thermo Quiet, every, uh, Thermo Quiet anymore. I know this read from three years ago because we did it every single you know, show. And I'm like, this is not the right read, but I do it anyway. We do that segment at six thirty. We toss a to bogus. We go to break and then IG chat to you. And I'm like, are we doing ask the pros on a Tuesday? And is that an old read? And you were like, wait till you hear this. <laughs> and yep. Yep. you had found out that not only were they the wrong reads, but Shep refused well, to follow the log book that is set there by the traffic department on what reads to read. And so within the first half hour, all of this had transpired.
2: Yeah, so again, I'll do a quick background. I mean, I could write a long detective report on what went wrong here. (laughs) The one thing I was very concerned with before we even got on the show on the air was the, I don't have access to the reads that we have saved on the work computers. That is something that Pete the Body does every morning. And there was a morning over the summer during pandemic when Pete was out where uh, another good guy we have working for us, James, hadn't really worked that part of the reads. And I told him to send the read packet. and I was under the assumption he knew and he sent you the wrong thing and you had me redo him. And it cost me like an hour and a half of the show just to make up getting you the right reads. And I didn't want that scenario to unfold. So I hammered the reads home to, to Shep, maybe more than any other detail of the show, because I knew how time-consuming it could be if it got screwed up. So when he sent the packet and Pete told him where everything was saved, like, I, I briefly looked at it and said, okay, this looks about right just to the eye. I'm, how could he possibly screw up looking at a log, which a log is basically how, where, what time everything's supposed to run and what everything's supposed to run. And then when I asked him about it after he read the wrong read, his response was, I know from reading the log that the log's always wrong, so I went with what I know. <laughs> like think about that rationale and then he's wrong in the first half an hour like it wasn't like he was right that the log was wrong and like he he was this hero he went off script for no reason on the one thing i hammered home and then it's three hours later there's supposed to be a read on the log that's not there and it's not in the book and as it turns out our copy editor actually did screw that up and get the log wrong and then shep took a victory lap with me that see i told you so i told you i was right but he was still wrong on putting the other read in there so, because he was actually screwed up for something else, he felt justified that he shouldn't be yelled at for winging it to begin with. We <laughs> <laughs> can't make that up.
1: It, it it is so it is so logic defying what happened over the last two days, and it has left us all with whiplash. Just you, you, oh, we, we we all couldn't believe it, and then today Connor steps in. I mean, you would have thought Connor is a 25 year radio veteran. He, he doesn't even talk to me during breaks. So he just like yells one word at me, like, Geico. I'm like, got it. Geico Reed doing it, coming back from break. Like, it, it's, it's all no, biz, yeah. no nonsense, all business. Get the job done. I got it. I got it. Like, hey, Connor, do we have this set? Yep, got it ready to go. Had it, of course, before I even asked it. Hey, we got this ready to go. Yep, we got it. Yep. I mean, it's like night and day.
2: I have a perfect example for you of why Connor, and I hate to really turn this into a Connor glossing thing. You sent us a link early this morning after I'd already sent sound check about that Jason Kelsey audio. And having already done it, knowing the scars of the last two days, and I just wanted to make sure everything went right with Connor, I wrote back in a reply all email, okay, we'll use this Kelsey tomorrow, I'll get it, I'll download it. Then you toss to the Kelsey for today, and you tease that that's what's coming up. So I briefly say to Connor, what's going on? He goes, No problem. And within a minute, Connor had pulled the audio, didn't even let you know that we didn't even have it to begin with. If that was Shep, forget about it. The oh show burns God. down to the end. Heck, I'd argue if that's Pete, the huff and the puff happens and he starts arguing, wasting time instead of just getting the audio. Connor put his head down and it was completely seamless. And nobody listening would have had any idea that you tease something that technically me and Connor were unprepared for based on a previous
0: email.
1: It doesn't surprise me, and I would not have suggested putting Kelsey in the system if it wasn't Connor behind the board. I mean, I knew that you could, that he could manipulate it on the fly and get it done. But I mean, that's just the difference, and it's why today's show we were all so chill. It was like seven thirty, and it was just like so relaxed and chilled today.
2: It was uh, kind of amazing. We got to enjoy the 12 DA on Thursday. got to laugh. There wasn't a million problems because you called me out of basically having a puss on my face on Tuesday during the 12 DA instead of laughing on camera. And it's because I'm dealing with the nonsense behind. I couldn't enjoy the show. I couldn't enjoy the funny parts of the show.
1: The days that were the Shep Week here on the DA show will live in infamy, which brings us to the 12 DAs. We are now up to number four. And Schwartz going to the vet I think is underrated. I had this as my number two. I had this as my number two, and it fell to number four. Now, Bilotti had it at number three, and the reason that this dropped beyond two or three is because Bogish voted it number six, and I think that's way too low yeah. for the craziness of Schwartz cutting his hand at Vince Quinn taking him to a vet.
0: Yeah,
2: and Andrew Kaplan had it at number 10, D.A. 10? Ten? 10 Kaplan had it. Oh,
1: in. no, that's too low. I'm
2: trying to see. Ten. So, so you must you have had it really it, high. You had it where? I had, had it 2. 2. We had a, a Pete at 3. Yes. Okay, so this is my—I can tell you honestly, I voted this my number 1, 12, D.A. of Christmas. So
1: this—okay, you were 1, I was 2, Pete was 3. It would have to be that high if we were brought all the way down by Kaplan saying it was 10.
2: Yeah, Kaplan, Tan, and Bogus Six cost it in to getting into the number four spot. Like, the, I feel like in the 12 DAs, the way it's rated, the top three is like prestige, right? It's like bronze, silver, gold. For yeah. this to fall out of the top three because of those guys. I made this comment last week. I I firmly believe when we finish these 12 DAs and next P, the next time the PGP comes out, we will, I believe, be done with the, the 12 DAs. We will look back and think we screwed up the top three. I do believe that. Hmm. Well, I, I, I could make a case, listening back, I think we've already played two of the best three moments of the year. The wedding fart and Vince Quinn on Schwartz.
1: <laughs> because of the, well, okay, so the, the, the Schwartz goes to the vet story is so remarkable for so many reasons. The decision making by Schwartz, the happenstance that one of our own employees stumbles upon him in the street and feels guilt-ridden enough because he's a new guy to escort Schwartz to the vet. Schwartz then bandages up his hand um, and tries to go to urgent care. They won't work on it for some reason, or he declines their efforts, and so he wants to go to a hospital on Long Island, so he gets on Long Island Railroad with a split-up hand. Then he takes a picture of it and tweets at four different radio stations that he works part-time for, sorry that I missed you, bringing attention to the whole thing. It is all types of amazing. Uh, and so it comes into number four. I have a hard time, though, believing. OK, so that's at number four. I have a hard I can't believe Kaplan put it at number 10. That to me is criminal. Absolutely strike. criminal. But I don't know. So your point is that Sh- Schwartz to the vet should be the top three. Yes. You think we screwed that up because and I put it at two when the year is over and we think back of the great moments in D.A. show history, Schwartz going to the vet's going to be in there and thus it should be in the top two or three.
2: Yeah, like, again, I'm big on can you tell the history of the DA show without, and I think of all, like, Schwartz is such a big part of the show that I think him going to the vet can't, like, again, think about all, like, the classic, right? We had Conor Green do the the Christmas movies. If you did some kind of, like, holiday party movie and a scene in it ends up being Peter Schwartz cutting his hand and ended up going to the vet for treatment, that becomes as iconic a moment as the squirrel jumping out of the tree in Christmas Vacation where... (laughs) You every year that movie comes on, you can't wait to sit down and wait. Oh, there he's gonna go to the vet. He's gonna go to the vet and have towels thrown at him. Like you, if you wrote that in a movie, it's an all-time classic comedy scene. We had it unfold on our show, and it's good enough for us for number four, the twelve DAs. What are you crazy?
1: We gotta kill Kaplan there for putting a ten, and we gotta kill Bogus for putting it six. We gotta have kill to. him. Have to. Have to. to. Because, I, I do
2: think I do think we will have a retrospective, you know, PGP after the twelve DAs on would we re rank them, you know, kind of like re ranking NFL drafts and stuff. But yeah, have to.
1: And I think because the a, a, a good law go, a good rule of thumb to go by here is how often will we cite these as we work our way through the show in future years. And I think we will cite. Yeah, I mean, Schwartz going to the vet's going to be a punchline, going to be a joke forever, probably. Right. And so to cite a reference that will be a joke forever and it not make it the top three, to your point, too low ranked. Now, we go to the to the rest of this list. We last week, we stopped at number 11, which was Schwartz's election coverage. It got us to number 10. Your mom calling into the show to defend herself and to throw your dad under the bus. Wonderful moment at number 10. Number nine, your 75th anniversary team. I'm trying to think why we had you do a 75th anniversary team, which was the most notable people in your life. Was it because the NBA is coming up on the NBA at 75?
2: That had to be it because it actually didn't involve me. You just kind of threw it out out there. And, you know, Mraz, if you had a 75th anniversary team, what would you, that, that's the only thing that makes sense. I really don't remember the background. I do remember that day and telling Pete, In break, literally with four minutes to come up with this list, what the heck is he even looking for here? Which is amazing that we got from there to four minutes later at being eligible for a 12-DA.
1: It must be the NBA at 75 because they did the NBA at 50, the 50 greatest players at 50, which was kind of an iconic moment that people still reference. Oh, one of the 50 best players of the NBA. And there's been some um, re-rankings of those, like where would you put Durant, where would you put LeBron, because they weren't alive or they weren't playing 25 years ago. And so next summer is the NBA's 75th anniversary, or, or next season, and so they're going to do a 75th anniversary team. So I guess we were talking about that, and that's why it led to that. But you know, Pens had texted me. He's like, "Did Mraz write that?" And I was like, "No." I mean, he just prepared it in the in the commercial break. He goes, "That was extraordinary," <laughs> and I, I I go, "I know." It hit every funny spot. Like you had. I mean, just the waiter at Applebee's that remembered your order, that also was nicknamed Usher, the woman that got you involved at Subway. I mean, the lunch lady that that soft baked your cookies, underbaked your cookies. Every part of it was absolutely hysterical. So the 75th anniversary team, you just nailed. And you
2: all remember.
1: (laughs) And you and you didn't have any time to prepare. It was just a commercial break. I thought it might be. One or two funny things, but I mean, you knocked it out of the park after that was the bag rant and it was you throwing the bag over your head and ranting about the Giants, which is kind of amazing that it's at number eight because your other rants on the Giants have ranked very, very high. So I wonder, do you think that this is been there, done that with you and ranting about the Giants or that this wasn't as meltdownish? as your previous
2: ones uh it's probably been there done that and i could tell you that two people on the show didn't even have it as a 12 da where you and i both had it ranked in the top five so two of uh, two of the five people that work on the show they were probably fatigued by it my guess is fatigued by me and fatigued by rance that they did not have it ranked at all
1: Mm. number seven
2: and it wasn't so, bogus. It was Kaplan and Bilotti who thought it was, was not eligible for a 12-day.
1: Oh, so definitely Bilotti did a sick of your rants, and he doesn't right. want any more hyper around Man, him.
2: Cap's votes. He didn't have that included and had number 10 of Vince Quinn. we got to really take into account Kaplan's thought process on the 12-day. Really? That, yeah. That...
1: you got to interview him next week. Yes. So then number seven was the wedding fart, the story of at a wedding, 2003, there's a fart that clears the dance floor. Nobody admits to it and your mom points the finger at you you know you didn't do it but you had eaten a lot of cheese during appetizer hour (laughs) and people looked at you and assumed it was you and your mom was leading the charge what you found out two days later was your mom copped to it that she had to blame you because she wasn't prepared to take the blame and this secret is carried over 20 years or 17 years and it only unveiled itself the truth when earlier this year you g-chatted us because we were talking about a story of course a fart story and (laughs) it was about how you should own your farts it was about being embarrassed about farts Uh, it might have been a stunt to a news and you were like you wrote a g-chat and you've always been very heavy on admit it just admit it it shouldn't be embarrassing everybody does it if everybody just admitted it the life life would be better don't hide don't blame and you said it was the root of this take was this moment where your mom had blamed you and that you had to live with the stigma of this right? and that, you know, the discomfort of everybody pointing the finger and assuming that it's you. And you wrote this really poetic G chat during a commercial break. And I was like, I've got to read this on the air. It's too good. And so I told Pete, Pete, cue up some dramatic music. Let's read this as though it was like a memoir. And reading it on the air was absolutely phenomenal and hysterical. And it came in at number seven. I got to see where I put this. But you you actually had, you think it should be one of the top two.
2: Well, after listening to it, I think I've, I really underrated it, to be honest with I you. Put I put it at
1: number four. I had ranked it at number four.
2: As I look at my spreadsheet here, the wedding fart, I had all the way down at number eight, DA. Wow. I had number eight. Yeah, so I even I undervalued it, but in listening back and, and you know, I'm, and again, we're comparing it amongst its peers as we play these twelve DAs every day. Uh, I I think looking back I probably undervalued it myself.
1: I put your bag over the head rant at number three. I thought it was that good with the catch the it at ball three as well.
2: Catch the ball.
0: <laughs>
2: catch the ball. I had it at number three as well. Again, we both had it at three, but but it was Pete and Kaplan who said, No, nah, heck with that, it's not a twelve DA. So that's what cost it.
1: Number six was Badlands Booker forgetting that he may have eaten a family-style feast called the Admiral's Feast from Red Lobster. And what really makes this, what's amazing about this clip, which came into at number six, is that Badlands Booker doesn't appear in the clip. Right. In the clip that we play, it's the reaction. Badlands Booker had come on the show. At the very outset of quarantine, right around early April, because Major League Eating had tried to be the first quote-unquote sporting event when everybody was not playing sports. And this was an at-home food Olympics. And so we had had Badlands Booker on the show to promote this and talk about how he was going to train for it. And, of course, Badlands doesn't really train. Badlands just eats whatever he wants to eat whenever he wants to eat and then shows up to a competition and eats whatever fills him up. And then that's it. And so he had just in passing mentioned that he'd eaten an admiral's feast, and we didn't know what that was from Red Lobster. Bogus looked it up after Badlands is already off the air and realizes it feeds a family of four to six. Well, and, and, we,
2: and Hold on, D.A. He said, quote, I may have had an admiral's feast. It wasn't <laughs> that he declared he'd eaten an admiral's feast. He forgot whether he did or not.
1: <laughs> Which is like five pounds of fried shrimp five pounds of fried scallops, 12 cheddar biscuits, fried a haddock, and two family sides. <laughs> and Bad Lance who clocks it at about 400 and some odd pounds, you think of 480. I think that might be a little high. Four, 500, I don't know if you're even moving around at 500. <laughs> but even if it's 425, he may or may not have eaten a family of four. Oh. and that feast and, and imagine
2: that, and by the way imagine at that time there was no dining going on during pandemic so you have to order that to go back to your yeah. house imagine <laughs> red lobster getting the call and you start with the admiral's feast and they go to give you the total and he goes "No, oh, hold on here and it's the order for the rest of the family
1: and our reaction is just hysterical laughter and your laughter is just you are beside yourself oh. you can't get over how funny it all is and then when he says support your local businesses like red lobster we all thought that was the funniest thing ever oh. as well. Oh. So the whole thing just had all the goods, but it never actually features the voice of Badlands. It's just us laughing after he is no longer on the air and can't get over what he just said on the show.
2: It's an incre- That's an incredible anecdote about it because I almost forgot, too, when I was editing the 12Ds. I'm like, well, it's funny because the centers around Badlands, but the funny part isn't even Badlands saying it at the time. It's us just rehashing and going, can you believe what he just said?
1: And then we had a Weekend at Berman's at number five where we got on the the track of talking about NFL primetime, which was a classic show back in the 90s on ESPN hosted by Chris Berman and Tom Jackson, and it was must-watch TV for everybody of that generation and NFL fans because it was before NFL Network existed, before the Internet existed. So if you wanted to get full highlights of every game in one place – NFL primetime on Sunday nights at 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock Eastern time before Sunday night football was the only place to get it. So they, they've dusted this off as Berman's kind of, he's faded into the, to the background and now he's in semi-retirement, but they've dusted this off for ESPN Plus, their app, and I don't watch it. I only see the fastest three minutes in sports at yeah. halftime of the Monday night game, which is kind of like a minute version, a miniature version of it, but you watch it. I love it. You watched every single week, and so we were talking about it, and it's basically you know, all of his old gags and all the his same catchphrases and 25 years later. And so you say, like, they better prop up Berman's dead body whenever he's long gone because I need my NFL prime time, and I just started doing all the catchphrases and acting like I was Bernie Lomax from Weekend at Bernie's, <laughs> prop up my body and just move my mouth, and I'll just do all the Berman catchphrases. And that had you guys dying. And I think that maybe this is one of the the rare 12 DAs also that's very visual. Because now with the simulcast, we have the camera and we have the video footage. And this is funniest when you think that you see me acting like a dead puppet, Chris Berman, being propped up.
2: Yes, there's no doubt about it. This was at its funniest visually. And this is the one that really ticks me off about everything we talked about with Shep because I loved this bit. I on The Weekend at Burmans made me laugh so hard picturing you. And when we played it, I couldn't go into full visualization of you because I was so damn angry at Pete and Shep that it absolutely ruined <laughs> the 12 D A playback for me.
1: <laughs> that came in at number four. I had, no, that came in at number five. I had the Weekend at Berman's at number eight. So I had I had it kind of down on my list, but it ends up pretty high.
2: Yeah, I and had it at number seven. So we were actually pretty much in lockstep there.
1: Yeah, Bogish had this at number five, number five. So, I don't. yeah. Yeah. So, OK, that's about where it fell. And Bilotti had it at number, number five as well. So I think what we're finding as we get to the top three, I mean, these top three are going to be amazing and they're going to be hard to top uh, what we just heard. But what we're finding is that maybe Kaplan's rankings deserve a second look because it might have skewed where everything was supposed to land.
2: Well, you know what? I think for next week's PGP, if in between cutting through two hours of show to get a 12 DA of next year, I should take out Kaplan's votes and see what the Mm. new 12 DA list would be based on the same system we have if we just eliminate Kaplan's votes.
1: (laughs) Hmm. You know what, though? As I look at Kaplan's rank. His list is good. It's not crazy. It's The Schwartz vet at number 10 is crazy.
2: I wonder if he has regrets about that. I do. Hmm.
1: That's the craziest one. But I do the rest of it seems pretty fine. So, I'd, I'd like to get Cap's take on why Schwartz going to the vet is only number 10.
2: Yeah. I mean, he did have a couple of the first four out uh, in his... At number seven and at number nine were ones that didn't make the 12. He thought were high enough there. And that that kind of shakes up the list a little bit to leave off the paper bag coverage or, you know, whatever. DA doing the the Schwartz election coverage. So there, there is some stuff there off the board that Cap went with that kind of messed things up a bit.
1: Well, now that we've had Schwartz going to the vet at number four, the top three, these are amazingly defining and memorable clips so stick around for those on friday number three i think we'll hold off for number two on tuesday to get through a full nfl and college football monday reaction And the number one will air on wednesday of next week wednesday is going to be the number one moment of the da shows 2020 so that is side a we went long but we had to because the last 48 hours have been quite the experience (laughs) a life and death experience Side B with Bogues is right
2: now. did do doo do? It's the PGP one week before Christmas and Santa's fat ass comes right down that chimney. We are joined by Andrew Bogish. Bogie Claus is here. Andrew, hello! Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm doing much better. We are taping us on a Thursday, a delayed PGP. DA and I just had maybe the longest side A of a PGP we've had in a long time. Because frankly, as you know, Bogues, there was a lot to get into from this week on the DA show. From everything with Shep filling in, Pete being off, to now having to rattle off, everything that's happened with the 12 DAs. I mean, it has just been a chaotic week. We wouldn't have it any other way. I'm glad to have you here on Side B, so obviously we're not going to go as long as you guys just listened to on Side A, rehashing all of the same stuff, but I cannot not ask Bogish his overall thoughts and themes behind the scenes of the last two, a's of the, two days of the DA show and everything that went into the melting pot circus that it
0: was. I mean, I, I don't really know where to begin because we're dealing with two people who are arguably the two most complicated people in our universe in Bellati and Shep. I mean, figuring out why they do things, when they do things, how they do things. You need like a, psychi- like a psychology degree to figure out either one of them. Now we've got them working, not in unison, but alongside each other, trying to get us on the air, keep us on the air, fix fires at DA's house. I mean, it was a you-know-what show, and... Um, while it was fun, I hope we've got at least six months before anything like that ever happens again because um, we did a good job with it, but we don't need back-to-back, you know, kind of technical train wrecks like we no. had this week. No,
2: we don't need a- anything ever like that again. Um, do you put do you put more of the blame on Shep than you do Pete? Because I was kind of harsh on Pete. But I, you know what? Let me just – before you answer that question, I, I want to get your live reaction to this because I read this on Side A to D.A., I got a text from somebody who may work there still or may not work there still who wanted to comment on this situation and said, you could call me an anonymous source if you go back to it. Rather not have my name out there on this. But the thing that Shep does that is really annoying is he makes you feel guilty after his poor work and like with all the things on top of him. But if he just took a step back and just concentrated, those issues wouldn't happen. So I was kind of hard on Pete. And I do think Pete takes some of the blame here, but I also think I went harder on Pete because, as this person alluded to, Shep made us feel so damn bad about why he was struggling.
0: Yeah, it's like, um, maybe it's like 70, 30, 65, 35 Shep to Pete in the blame thing here. And, like, whatever blame I would put on Pete is not things that he, like, did wrong on purpose. Like, it's the it's the stuff where you know, like he does i cuz i've had to f- try to find sound in the system and there is no rhyme or reason to the way things are saved or at least the way they're labeled so like you don't even know where necessarily to like go there's there's a file that just says da yes. and there's a file that says da drops and there's a file that says this and then inside those files like sometimes it will say like bogish gummy bears or gummy bears bogish and then like, how do i like which one do i find which one right. do i go to how do i get there so whether it's on purpose or not and I do kind of think I kind of hope that like Pete does it like to so only he really knows where things are because if you ask him he knows exactly where those things are but you can't just go find them without his help so like that's however he works however he lives like it's it creates problems and then as I said on the air he has this weird dynamic of like making guys come in to train but they only kind of just stand there and right. watch him do things where They're not fully explained, and then they get dropped in the middle of this, and all hell can break loose. So, like, there's that, but then there's just, like, there's just Shep being Shep. Like we said on the air, like, deciding not to sleep was a terrible idea. Right. And, you know, the decision about how he was handling the reads, like, the reads are never right, so I don't follow the, the logbook. Like, that's a terrible decision. Like, you should... You should do something wrong and then go, I was following the logbook, and then it's not your fault anymore, as opposed exactly. to, I'm going to go do this on my own, and then if I get caught, then it's completely on me. Like, it's just a really bad decision. So it really was just a perfect combination of the peat confusion and then the Sheppiness, and when you roll it all together, we had mayhem.
2: Right, and that kind of is my bottom line with Pete. Pete puts people who are filling in for for him in a position to fail. And I think you're already starting from behind. So if you're already starting from behind and you have Brock Osweiler playing in a Shep, you're really asking for trouble. And and that lies that where we found ourselves. Now, we also have, obviously, the 12 DAs that have rattled off. And the most recent one is we've now hit the top four. Is Vince Quinn's story of Schwartz going to the vet, which at the time when it broke, it was like, oh my goodness, he went to the vet? As it turns out, this was actually my number one 12 DA I voted for. DA had it up in the top three as well. We thought it really belonged. Andrew Kaplan had it as far down as number 10. You, Andrew Bogish, had it ranked at number six. After listening to that, do you still feel like you got it right in the sweet spot of six? Or was it undervalued and should have been more in the top three like me and DA had it?
0: Yeah, I probably should have a, a few spots. Higher. I think where it landed today is probably the right place for it to be because it's just now. I think maybe what hurts it to a, a slight extent is that it's. The, I think it's the oldest thing up for consideration. I mean, it is a full True. year old at this point, so like it just. I think naturally loses maybe a little bit of its humor. True, Time but no, I think by, it's in a, right. Yeah, I think I think it's in a good spot right now, and I and I think it's the three things that are still to come are better than this but I mean I don't even this story is beyond explanation and it's you know if there's ever a 12 DA's like all-time top 12 it's got to be on that list just because it makes no sense and it could only happen to Pete and they could only happen to the show with having someone like Vince Quinn there to document it for us so we know exactly what happened Um, It just really was an amazing string of events. It 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 truly
2: is. And I just want to have one editor's note. During this PGP specifically, as we are taping it, I have been informed that our great twitter account of a listener da on cbs quotes which tracks the show and quotes things has now been blocked after this 12 da has been played by one peter schwartz so pete must not be happy that this made a 12 da and certainly not happy with our listeners again the breaking news our da on cbs quotes twitter account which we don't know who this is it's some listener i believe in boise idaho has been blocked by peter schwartz so To let you know where 12 DAs are sticking in the craw of people, imagine being a product of the 12 DAs and then blocking a user account that follows a show. So bogus all of that happening around the 12 DAs.
0: Now, there are certainly times where we maybe have gone too far and been unfair to Schwartz. But this is not one of them. I mean, this this happened, he posted about it, which really, you know, completely absolves us of anything of any wrongdoing in this and and keeps him from having any hard feelings for us discussing it he let the world know what happened and then vince quinn's a reporter we're reporters we did journalism we found out what it was and then we reported the facts and the facts are insane and he did all of the things that we talked about and mentioned like none of it's none of it is is wrong none of it's exaggerated all of those things happened. so maybe other times he he was somewhat right to be a little pissed at us but this cannot be one of them i mean this happened he did all of those things right. and it's hilarious
2: It is unbelievable, the storyline that follows him. So if your head is in a blender listening to this long PGP, don't worry. Our heads have been in a blender all week as far as swirling around and around. Shep, Baladi, Schwartz, 12 DAs. I mean, what the heck's happening? Katie Lindahl's dropping all VR glasses everywhere. I mean, what (laughs) an unbelievable week it has been on the DA show. I want everybody to stay safe out there. It's the last weekend before Christmas. If you're celebrating Hanukkah, enjoy it. This weekend is going to fly by. Next thing you know, we're in January. We're on to 2021. Time's a ticking, folks. And I can trust trust me when I say that's a good thing. All right. Bogish, thank you so much. Where can we follow you on Twitter? At Andrew Bogish. And you could follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Marez. Yes.
0: Have a great week.